values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Trying to get uh, as much as I can. I want to get as many people on as we in in uh, from our legislator legislature from both in the House and the Senate, both from both parties. I'd like to get a better feeling for what they're trying to accomplish and why, how they can work together. Um, I was down there last session. And was the guest on the House floor, and uh, one of the one of the representatives there, uh, Martina, she uh, invited me down. I was her her honored guest. It was really interesting for me to be an honored guest anywhere um, that didn't put me behind bars. And it was uh, it was great. I got to sit with her and watch kind of how people work together, not officially, but before session started. And I saw a lot of um, people working together and talking. I went and uh, spoke in front of a the House Education Committee last session as well, and heard a lot. Of really good ideas from people on both sides of the aisle trying to figure out what to do with education. And so hearing from our legislators and how they're working on pieces of legislation and why they're working on pieces of legislation, I think is very interesting. Um, and so I started off this morning. It's Senate Bill 1063, and Senator Sonny Borelli is one of the sponsors of this bill. And it's about ending taxes, so it, it making it illegal to tax food or rent in Arizona. And so I, I laid out the case to him that he's heard many times, and and uh, the pushback against this happening from some of the cities, they are saying that it is going to strain, if not destroy, city services. So I asked him how he responded. Hogwash. Because they already have records, uh, uh, TPT, which is a state-shared revenue. Um, as a matter of fact, I was a former city council member, and, and we always hear the same scare tactics. Oh, this is going to destroy the city. Police, The police department, the fire department is going to have to shut down, and we're going to lose. We're going to lose firemen. That's hogwash. So he doesn't believe it's true. He believes cities have enough, especially in the state funds. But the about and I will go a step further in this and say to say on this issue that the municipalities also have mechanisms in place where they can raise revenue in different places. They may not want to do that. So when Republicans push back on this, I would say no Republican wants to be guilty of or perceived to be in favor of a tax increase. So if the state cuts these taxes off. And the cities really do feel a financial crunch. What Senator Borelli, when Senator Borelli says that's not going to happen, but if it does, then the Republicans are going to have to be a part of a plan that raises revenue in a different way, and none of them want to be a part of that. That's just kind of the politics of how things are. Um, so why is this necessary? Why start this trouble? Why start this fight? Why is it necessary? There's only 65 cities in the state that are doing this, and it's, it's actually very punitive to the taxpayer. You're literally taxing people because they're hungry. This is food that's cons- this is stuff that's consumed at home. We're not talking about bars and restaurants. We're not talking about the, the local food store or ja- Jack in a Box or anything like that. We're talking about food that's bought at the grocery store and consumed at home. You're literally taxing the hungry. You're, you're taxing people to survive. This is essential. It shouldn't. We shouldn't even be having this debate. It's when you hear the logic that way, kind of hard to argue about. The other part of this is interesting, a couple of things, when it comes to another part of this, which is taxing rent. So uh, if you are a homeowner and you have a mortgage, you're not taxed when you pay your mortgage. Now, you're paying property taxes, but you're not taxed on your mortgage. 
if you're renting, you are paying a rental tax. So the homeowner passes that on. And the other thing he talked about it being close to a double tax, meaning um, you're as a homeowner, you're already paying property taxes. And then you've got to collect and pay this rent tax as well. And uh, it is it is interesting to me that it's looked at this way. But for a family that is it's already tough we already understand the cost of rent here in Arizona is very high and if any kind of relief you can give to families in my opinion is always a good thing so i asked him how much money will something like this actually save the average person just by eliminating this tax we're talking minimum uh, savings of $500 a year depending on the family size so on and so forth but think about it if you say $500 that buys a lot of eggs Mm, eh, not necessarily a good example right now, but you understand the point, and I do. Uh, it was an interesting conversation with the senator because um, as we talked more and more about it, you know, he's very, uh, very uh, supportive of repealing this tax. Um, he talked about the rental tax, contra- uh, the savings on the rental taxes, this specifically on the rental tax. The cities are already getting the property tax, okay, and now they're going to be taxing the rental. So that's double, double taxation. That's, that's just that's another thing that's wrong. And those tax ranges range from one percent to four percent. Now the cost of a family is anywhere between that. That's about twenty to two hundred dollars a month, depending yeah. on on where they're renting from. So that's again, you're taxing people to survive and shelter. And so the principle here is that food, and when we say food, it's not restaurants, it's not drive through it is grocery store food, that necessities shouldn't be taxed, that you shouldn't pay taxes on uh, on the necessities of food and shelter. And it's hard to argue with that principle. I don't see a big issue here. But municipalities that are doing this are saying we are counting on these dollars. Where will they make up that revenue? We've seen a couple of news stories saying if this happens, it's going to cost this city this much money or this much money how can they make that revenue up and so what we what we are doing just so you know on this issue is we are inviting um, cities we're going to invite cities here in the valley that do collect taxes in these areas we're inviting some of them on to hear why they are against this here there's a give let them have their voice in this of why it's a bad idea to repeal this tax because i want to be fair i want you to be able to hear both sides of an issue and i want to hear it too I, maybe there's something that might change my mind a little bit in all of this conversation but it was an interesting conversation with mr borelli we also then got on the topic of education because every legislator I've had on during this legislative session I've had on, and it's only been Republicans, but we're reaching out to the Democrats. Uh, we've had the Senate president on, we've had the Speaker of the House on, we've had Senator Borelli on, and I've asked them all about the AEL, the Aggregate Expenditure Limit. That is this limit on how much we can spend for education that is holding up $1.2 billion in education spending into the classrooms, already allocated, already in the bank, but can't be spent unless this AEL is overridden by two-thirds majority of the House and the Senate. So I've asked everyone, is this going to um, be overridden? Are you going to vote to make sure this is overridden? We've always stepped up and taken care of K-12 education, especially when, when, when we had the money, we were able finally to do a lot more. I and mean, we're already, we put over a billion dollars at K-12 from last year's budget. That's where we're at this limit. 
and he's right about that. And this is where it is a little bit unfair in perception. The perception is that uh, the Democrats care about so much about uh, public education and Republicans care so much about public safety and the old adage that Democrats see teachers like Republicans see cops. And I think, you know, it's funny. It's a different kind of hero. And the word hero gets thrown on a lot, but it's a different kind of sacrifice. They are both, I would say, both of them are vocations. They're not jobs. They're not just careers. They're vocations. People go into those fields not for the money. They go in because it's something they're drawn to. Um, But I would say that I absolutely am a huge supporter of education. Huge. And I think that if we are going to continue down the same road, we are going to continue to get the same results. We aren't happy with the results we've gotten. It's gotten worse. It's not getting better. So this isn't about demonizing teachers. This isn't about any of that. It is about whatever is necessary to make it better. And the Republicans are not viewed as the party of education. But if you look over the eight years of the Ducey administration, the big raise for teachers, we have spent so much money in education. We bump into this AEL now two years in a row. You've got to concede that the Republicans have invested. And the other side pushes back. Well, not as much as other places. They have invested more and more and more money. We've got to start getting a Accountability. We have to start seeing results. In a moment, it's our segment called Did You Hear This? It's how we catch you up on the biggest news stories of the day. It's happening here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, big news day. Let's get you caught up quick. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. The new GDP report came out this morning, and the economy received a passing grade. The economy grew in the final quarter of last year by 2.9%. That means it's cooling down from earlier, but it's still up. And one of the biggest reasons for that is the American consumer. Despite inflation, we continue to spend. Will this give hope to the Federal Reserve? Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple of things at play here. Number one, we saw a very quick, not just a leveling off, but a big drop in spending at the end of December when everybody was expecting that's the biggest time we spend because of the holidays. So is this holiday spending that kind of dropped off? We're already seeing a fairly dramatic slowing here, but could it give hope to the Fed where they can still slow down the economy without pushing into a recession? Will this be a more moderate rising of interest rates going into this year? I'm going to be curious to see, and I hope, again, I hope we have a soft landing, but watching where we're going now, what happens in January, February, March, if we are seeing that slide. If not, then we may be in a position where we do slow it down without crashing it. I hope that's what happens, but there are a lot of people predicting a pretty big recession. I hope they're wrong. New York City Mayor Eric Adams talked to MSNBC about how the border crisis is affecting many cities. We are going to open four more hotels, emergency hotels. We have to open Herc's. Uh, this is a major financial impact on New York City and cities across this country that are receiving a brunt of it. Are you surprised to hear him take the stance? Um, no, I, I think that once he's faced with what he's seeing and what, you know, when, when you say overwhelmed, when you see city services overwhelmed because you have people 
people in your city that are in need and you can't take care of your citizens because of what's happening with migrants, you begin to see the other side of why this is happening. He is not um, going after the administration other than to say, this isn't our problem. This is your problem. You've got to help us out here. So I think he's beginning to see the light on this issue. He's not going to switch sides, but he is seeing the light and the plight of what's happening in places like El Paso. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines. Senator Mitt Romney says the debt ceiling conversation provides an opportunity for the two sides to come together on the issue of spending. This is something which is unacceptable, will not happen, cannot happen. But let's use this uh, time period as uh, as an opportunity to, to restrain some of our spending. What will it take for the two sides to negotiate? Um, I think that what's happening right now is going to push it in that direction. The president of the United States says no, absolutely not. We're hearing that it is going to be raised. It usually is. But there is some push from the Republicans that we want guarantees of spending being reined in. Um, we know that Rand Paul, Senator Paul, had made some statements of some of those specific things we can do. We'll see if those specific things happen. If they do, we could be in a direction of some good negotiations. Arizona State Senator Sonny Borelli talked to you this morning on why he thinks it is necessary to pass Senate Bill 1063 that would end the sales tax that municipalities charge for food. Just by limiting this tax, we're talking minimum uh, savings of $500 a year, depending on the family size, so on and so forth. But think about it. If you say $500, that buys a lot of eggs. What are the pros and cons of this bill? Well, I think it was a bad choice of words because it doesn't buy a lot of eggs right now. Um, groceries. Let's go with groceries. Uh, I, I think that in this, um, there is some common sense. The idea of, of cutting taxes for working families, because it will affect everybody. Everybody will pay less. But you know as well, I think most of us have been in a position before where every dollar we spend matters. And 500 bucks a year is a lot of money. 20 bucks a month, you know that if the, when gas goes up, that 20 bucks a month can really hurt a family. Um, this is the kind of stuff, 50 bucks a month, those are the things that hurt. When you were able to save families money, real dollars, I think it's all Always helpful, especially since we are seeing the price of food stay incredibly high. I don't think it's a bad idea. And a big thank you to Senator Borelli for coming in studio today. Great job as always, Julia. Uh, that is a segment we call Did You Hear This? We do it every day at 1120 to catch you up on the biggest headlines of the day. And uh, today's no different. We'll do it again tomorrow uh, to close out our week. Um, we're going to talk more specifically about the economy. Again, as I, as I said in Did You Hear This? And I mean this sincerely. I know what path everybody I know and the experts are saying we are on. And a recession scares me because we've been in such a really good place for the last few years, and I would hate to see, and this isn't about wealthy people all the time, although I want them to succeed as well. This is about working people that for years now, especially here in Arizona, have been in a seller's market, meaning if you are a potential employee and you are someone that's willing to show up on time and do what you're asked and you're reliable, you're a commodity and you're worth a lot of money to a company and you can make a really nice living and it gives you a lot of opportunity and a lot of choices. When those choices start to go away, it becomes a very big inconvenience. But when families that are seeing very high prices are having to take a second gig, having to do some kind of a side hustle to keep their heads above water, when those second jobs start drying up, we're going to see people in a bad place if we continue in the direction we're going. So we're going to talk about what these new GDP numbers mean and what they're predicting for the first quarter of the next year. It should be an interesting conversation. Please stick around. 
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. The economy is still a very big topic and will continue to be a big topic. It's one we've uh, kind of jumped into on a number of occasions, and we're going to continue with the new GDP numbers coming out today. 2.9% increase in the final quarter of last year, uh, a one-tenth of a percent higher than was predicted by uh, the Dow. It will be adjusted a little bit. It always is adjusted a small amount, and we'll find out exactly how well we're doing because all predictions are that it's slowing, which was the goal. That was the goal of what we are seeing with the Fed raising interest rates was to slow the economy down. But the goal was also to slow it down without stopping it or pushing it into a recession. There are some experts that are saying because of the numbers in the fourth quarter, it's showing a slowing going into the first quarter of 2023 and that potentially this is a slowing and it's not going to be pushing into recession. We are also hearing that summer saying that this could be good news to the Fed, that they could slow down, although not stop, they could slow down the raising of interest rates, which could give time, give businesses a time to catch up with this when it comes to borrowing of money. Now, I am not an economist. I look at what's happening in Arizona and in a broader picture when it comes to the economy, my bigger concerns are more about tax increases. My bigger concern is anytime the federal government jumps in, and it's always in the name of two things when it happens, fairness – Right. It's always about making sure that the wealthy pay their fair share. It's always in the interest of fairness to the country that they pay their fair share. And it's also in the interest of need because they have all these new programs they have to pay. This is interesting that the and this is all people do this. Both political parties do this. But this just happens to be this president doing it now. They they brag about the deficit reduction. That doesn't mean that we don't have a deficit, that we're not spending at a deficit. We're just spending at a deficit that's lower than it was before. Now, I'm not saying this to excuse the Republicans. I promise you uh, the Republicans have been spending more money than they should have for a long time. But during covid, the need to spend money was on everybody in the Congress. And even look, President Trump was a part of that where stimulus checks went out and people were given money and PPP loans that were abused. All this is a part of that federal machine. But now that we've gone into all of that, let's say an emergency debt. And I try to make things in my mind as simple as I can. And I can't make it any more simple than this. If you are a family and you have a budget and there is in your family an emergency, God forbid it happens to you, an illness to somebody in the family, all of a sudden you have are racking up these huge medical bills and it's in a smaller period of time and it's something that's an anomaly. And then all of a sudden you've got all of these bills that pile up. Thankfully, when all of that's over and the person in your family is recovering from whatever the illness was, but you still are saddled with all of those bills, how many of you go out and then start spending like crazy, borrowing more money to do things that you want to do? Or do you focus on ways to pay off that debt before you move forward? Now, it is oversimplified. The government of our country and the spending that's necessary, it's a much bigger machine than a household. But at its base, that's what's happening right now. We have accumulated so much debt because of COVID-19. We are, in other ways, we are funding the war in Ukraine. We are sending billions of dollars in equipment there because we're trying to avoid World War III and United States troops being involved on a battlefield somewhere in the world. 
So we are aiding the Ukrainian people. Some people are for it. Some are against it. I'm not arguing either one right now. I'm just pointing out we've got billions of dollars heading that way. So we are spending in a bunch of different areas, not to mention what we've done in the fossil fuel world, trying to push this country and the billions of dollars that are being advocated for green energy and the Green New Deal and other things that the president wants. We have this huge package that is raising taxes on corporations. So the business taxes are going up at a time when the economy is slowing. So all of these employers, I just got a message today, today from a business owner in Peoria that said, you know, I own a sports bar. I'm not going to say the name of the place, but I own a sports bar. And they are now raising the minimum wage in Arizona. I think it's a dollar and five cents. He said, I'm already dealing with these huge costs for employees. My labor costs are through the roof. I've raised my prices as much as I can to keep up with the cost of food and the cost of employees. I can't raise my prices anymore without driving my customers away. And I'm at the end of my rope. How am I going to make any money? How do I make any money doing this? When you have revenue is going to go down because we're slowing down the economy. Revenue is going to go down and your taxes are going up. It just seems like such poor timing. And so when the president of the United States brags about deficit reduction, he is not saying that we're not spending at a deficit. He's saying his deficit is less than the previous administration. Now, you can make excuses for COVID. You can say that was a reason. But that's what he's saying. We're still spending at a deficit. I've used this analogy before. If you're married and you're the spouse that's responsible with money and your, your, your spouse is not responsible, you are the responsible one. You pay the bills, you keep the budget, and your significant other comes home and you open the credit card bill or you go online to check the account and you've racked up or they've racked up $5,000 in one month on a credit card and you – Lose your mind. This is not in our budget. We can't do this. We're overspending. We have to stop spending. And you have this big blowout and your significant other says, you're right. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to rein it in. And the next month, it's only $3,000. And you say, what are you doing? And your spouse says to you, well, listen, I reduced my spending by $2,000. What are you talking about? You're still spending at a deficit. And that's what our country is doing. So at a time when we're not raising taxes to pay off debt, we're not saying that we've we've racked up all of this debt, so we've got to figure out how to pay it. So, A, we're going to rein in spending. We're not any – no new spending. Now, forget – take things off the table. No new spending. But we're going to raise taxes to pay off the debt. I still would disagree with it. I'm just being fair. I disagree with it. But at least you're not creating new spending. So you've got businesses. Arizona's loaded with small businesses and big businesses. But let's look at small business owners that are just trying to keep their financial heads above water. We are going to raise taxes on them. Cost of doing business has gone through the roof. If you're in the restaurant industry, and it's one of my favorite ones to talk about because it fits all of these things in a family. I love the restaurant business. I've talked about this so many times. I'm jealous. I wish I was a restaurateur. Everyone I know in the restaurant business says I'm crazy. I, and unless I had my, – my favorite one is I have a friend that says, you know how you make a million dollars in the restaurant business? You start out with $3 million. And there's a lot of restaurateurs that are laughing at that, but it's not fun. Because most restaurants fail, but that's why I love the industry. You have to have the business sense of a Fortune 500 CEO, but you have to have the creativity of an artist. 
You have to create dishes and an atmosphere that people cannot get at home and they can't get anywhere else. And you have to have the business sense to do it in a way that makes you a profit. Well, as you're watching food costs go through the roof, if you own a breakfast joint, if you own some place that sells breakfast, um, uh, go to the uh, – they used to go to the first watch right there at 32nd Street and Camelback. There's a great place in the Biltmore for breakfast. Go there a lot. Imagine those places that are selling eggs for a living, how they're pulling their hair out with what they're doing. And on top of all of that in trying to deal with increased labor costs and increased food costs, increased energy costs, what's going to happen to what the cost of water as things progress with what's happening in water in Arizona? And on top of all of that, the federal government is raising your minimum rate on federal income tax. It, it just sounds like a crazy time to me. Now, some of you are hearing, there goes a crazy Republican. I don't see it that way. I see it as someone that owned a business. I've seen it as someone that's run a business for someone else, protecting somebody else's bottom line. And I just don't think it's a smart time to do it, especially when you put it up against what I said before this, which was our government is still wasteful and it is still spending money at a deficit. They are irresponsible with the money they have and they're clamoring after more. And again, I know that there are many places where Democrats and Republicans disagree, and you can see why there's such a disagreement. I don't see how you can disagree with what I just said. I don't care where you are politically. We all agree the government's wasteful. We all agree that there is plenty of misspending and misdeeds going on with our tax dollars. Why would you give them more? Why would you be in favor of handing them more of a taxpayer dollar unless you are so entrenched in the idea of class warfare that as long as they're taking it from rich people, you're happy? But that's cutting off your nose despite your face. So we're going to continue with this economic talk, and I'm anxious to see what happens when you've got interest rates going up, the tax increases kick in. Are we going to head and spiral down toward a recession? That's my biggest fear, and I hope it doesn't happen. Was an interesting story earlier today about obesity and a board, a USDA advisory board, talking about obesity and public health. And there's an advisor to the White House that was on CNN, and she was talking about what causes obesity. And I think it's an interesting story before we close out today. I want you to hear what she said the reason is. We'll, do, we'll let you hear it next. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, this is not earth-shattering. It's not earth-changing, but it's an interesting take on this. Um, there was There is a doctor that is part of an advisory committee to the White House, and it has to do with um, obesity and genetics and, and dieting and, and in America. There is a couple of statistics that are true if you look around, and I was just talking with some people recently about military recruiting and they're changing the way they recruit and it's been helping because the military has not been meeting its recruiting goals for a while and there's multiple reasons for that but part of the reason for this is that young people that are of military age 
can't meet the physical fitness requirements to get into the military. We know that we see people that are immensely out of shape. I'm not into body shaming. I'm not someone that does that. But at the same time, there is a health aspect connected to what you do as a kid and and to how you handle things. And we all know, I think we've all seen it. I was the opposite of a lot of people when I was in when I was young. I was um, I was 140 pounds when I got out of high school. I wrestled at 128 my junior year. I was not a big kid. I wrestled instead of playing football because I was so small. And then I hit my growth stride. You know, I got my 18, 19, 20 years old. And then when I got older, you know, I was I was putting on muscle and feeling really good about things. Um, but then I gained a bunch of weight, and I, I was something that was so foreign to me because when I was younger, I could not gain weight, even when I tried. And um, then when I got older, I felt like I'm never going to lose this weight, but I did. My point is, when you hear this doctor talking about what the number one reason for obesity is, and at Basically telling people it's not their fault and there's nothing they can do about it. If you diet, you lose weight, right? The number one cause of obesity is genetics. That means if you are born to parents that have obesity, you have a 50 to 85% likelihood of having the disease yourself, even with optimal diet, exercise, sleep management, stress management. So when people see families that have obesity, the assumption is, what are they feeding those kids? And that it's not that's not an assumption that lifestyle is a part of it It is how you've grown up. Um, I'm very fortunate in a lot of ways. I like healthy food. I love vegetables. I love vegetables. The only vegetable I don't like is lima beans. I don't like the texture. Other than that, I'm down. I like I like collard greens. I like okra. I love uh, spinach. I love them all. I like uh, beets. I eat them all. Um, I always have. But. The idea that you have to feed your kids, that the kids that are overweight are now predisposed because of genetics. Well, you understand, you know how this is, and I'm not mocking anyone, but a lot of times the kids are eating the same thing the parents are eating. So if the parents are eating terrible food, the kids are eating terrible food. We also know that there is a connection between um, obesity or be overweight children and poverty. And the reason why is because they are stuck buying the cheaper, processed, less good for you food parents can't afford. There's a lot of places they talk about grocery stores not carrying healthy food and certainly not affordable healthy food in the grocery store. That it's much cheaper to buy the 99 cent box of macaroni and cheese with all that processed macaroni and that bag of powdered cheese and a little bit of milk and butter and feed that to a kid as opposed to going out there and finding them something healthy. It's cheaper. It's a lot easier to find. And that's what families end up eating. I'm not calling it right or wrong, but this is a blanket statement that overweight parents create overweight kids and there's nothing that can be done about it. It's not true for either either group. I know couples that have lost a lot of weight. When I was married, when I was married, I gained a lot of weight. Um, And my ex-wife and I, between the two of us, Lost in the neighborhood of 70 pounds, not each, but total between the two of us in less than three months. And um, it took discipline. It it took a, a complete shift in lifestyle and it worked. 
And so, you know, I, I don't want to send people a message that there's nothing you can do. You just, you know, you didn't win the genetic lottery. I, I just, this message is scary. Now, anybody that says it can say it. But when you're someone that advises the White House and you have that title next to your name, it's not a knock on Biden. I'm saying when you're given a title, this is something that should be concerning to people because I think it's the wrong message to send. There's a lot you can do about it. All right, social media users at Broomhead, KTAR. That's my Twitter handle. I would love to hear from you. Uh, if you see a comment there, that is directly from me. At Broomhead Show updates you on the guests on our show and other things we're doing. Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. Those are the three ways you can stay in touch between shows. We're back tomorrow, beginning like we always do, just after 8 o'clock. I'd love to have you join me for part of your day. Thanks for being here for part of your day today. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, have a great day. God bless. Thank you.